You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco, and with us today, we have Peter O'Toole, our friend and co-host. Peter, what's going on today in old Columbia? Happy St. Patrick's Day from Columbia, Missouri, where the Missouri Tigers made it to the first round of the men's NCAA men's tournament, and the women's made it through the first round of the men's NIT, uh, women's NIT uh, tournament. So we are very happy, uh, but the weather is way too cold for St. Patrick's Day. But, hey, you can't have everything. It's funny how the weather's been over there, Peter. A lot of times you report back that it's very warm during winter months, and now it's cold on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. What, you know, Funny what how can, that works out. What, what can you say? Yeah. By the way, we have a milestone that I need to talk about. Today marks the 300th episode of In Perspective. 300, ladies and gentlemen. So we've come a long way, and hopefully we'll have more than another 300. Before we introduce our very special guest, let me thank those people who make it possible for us to exist. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer. Thank you very much for editing our programs and for producing them. Thank you. I also want to thank Tom and Lynn from the Rosie's Place chat line. They post our shows on that reading door number 15. Thank you for doing that. I also want to thank the media outlets for airing us when they do. Thank you for that as well. And finally, Jacqueline Sylvia of JS Web Solutions. We want to thank you for archiving this perspective on my website. Just go to www.brancoevents.com, arrow down until you get to In Perspective Podcasts, click on those, and you will see our archives from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie, and happy birthday in perspective number 300. And today, of course, as you probably gathered by now, this is Friday, March 17th, 2023. With us today, we're going to be speaking with a scholarship winner for 2022 from the American Council of the Blind. And she's involved in a lot of things, and she's going to describe a lot of that for you as we go along. But first, let me welcome to the program Julia Murray. Julia, thank you for taking the time to be with us on our show. Hello, thank you every, everyone for having me on the show. I'm very excited to talk with you all tonight about my different experiences. Now, I've read your bio, and one of the things that you pointed out was that you majored in exercise science. Now, I had never heard of that expression before. I mean, I know what exercise is. I know what science is. But could you tell us briefly what is exercise science? Sure. So it is kind of like kinesiology. That's where it's most commonly known as kinesiology. But in more recent years, different schools have been having a major called exercise science, which is basically the study of exercise, um, where they basically study the uh, physiology of the human body, the anatomy, and, uh, like what it has to do with exercise, uh, with fitness, different things like that. 
um, a lot of people that major in exercise science end up going into fields such as occupational therapy, physical therapy, physician assistant, athletic trainer, uh, different occupations like that. What do you plan to do with it? So I plan to do occupational therapy. That's very good. Congratulations. I hope that you do well. Thank you. You're welcome. So what is occupational therapy? Asking what physical exercise therapy is. What is, what is occupational therapy? So occupational therapy is uh, a job where the, the occupational therapist gets to work with clients specifically with daily living skills. So to ensure that their clients are able to do different living um, skills like motor skills. There's actually, there's such a variety in occupational therapies. So some can be working in the clinical or hospital where they would directly work with people that maybe have injuries with uh, like if there's a specific injury, like a hand injury, that's a very common one. They directly work with the patient to relearn how to do their motor skills, like how to use their hands uh, to regain that strength that maybe they lost from the injury. Uh, there's other OTs that maybe specialize in feeding. Uh, there's, you know, helping people eat food if they don't have those, the strength in, um, in their motor skills. Uh, there's OTs that maybe focus more on the equipment and assistive technology. So maybe people with different dis- disabilities, such as people in wheelchairs, they can work with their clients to help them find the best wheelchair or uh there's OTs that work with vision so they can work with different low vision assistive technology such as magnifier CCTVs and teach clients how to use those specific equipment that's kind of where my focus is I would love to bring more awareness to different assistive technology uh, because there's a lot of people that aren't aware of what's out there for them that can help them accommodate in different settings like the education and the workforce, different things like that. So that's kind of where my focus is, but I am definitely exploring other areas as well. But that has been my focus as of right now. So you, um, if my memory is correct, you're just finishing up your freshman year in college, right? Right. And so what, what, what a university are you attending right now? So I am currently attending Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And how has been your first year? Yeah, um, is this, uh, I, I can't remember. Are you living away from home? Um, how has your first year been compared to your last year, last year in high school? So I am on campus 
I am from Pittsburgh originally, so I am an hour away from home. And I have been on campus. I, I love it. I, um, it's been like such a smooth transition from high school to college. I feel like my teachers, especially my vision teacher, really helped me get prepared for college, like teaching me advocacy and those different important skills that are essential for college. So they've definitely been a huge help making that that transition from high school to college super smooth. Do you find that a lot of the material is accessible to you? Right. And I've also worked with the Office of Disability Services. They actually have a person that they recently hired that specifically does vision services. So she'll work with the people on campus that have visual impairments with whatever their needs are, like if it's orientation and mobility or Braille or knowing different assistive technology that's out there. So I'm imagining you're taking lots of science, math and science courses, introductory math and science courses this freshman year. Is that is that accurate? Definitely, yes. So I took physics my first semester and now I'm taking anatomy. So I do have quite a lot of anatomy classes coming my way as well after this one. And how has that been for you? Uh, You know, I assume there are diagrams you have to read and all that kind of good stuff. How how has that been, uh, you know, interacting with those things? Right. So I, I have been working really closely with the professors, making sure that the different accommodations are in place for every assignment that we do. So for anatomy, I've been working really closely with my professor to make sure that I'm able to access the models. So there's different models of muscles, of skeletal muscles, like the bones, uh, and there's like different models that have like varying sizes and like colors. So I like work really closely with him to make sure that I am able to get the model that has the, the best um, visual and tactile access or the information on it. So like um, like a muscle model that has a good contrast, and I'm able to visualize and feel those muscle fibers, things like that. I've also um, asked for things to be enlarged so that I'm able to see it as well as uh, a distinctive contrast. So I, I this next question may show me to be complete, uh, completely ignorant, but uh, is there such thing as fast acting muscle and slow acting muscle types or whatever the right word is? And if there is, how is that, how do you learn that stuff um, uh, using, you know, a, a, Using using these diagrams. So we use a lot of models. So there's actual uh, models that were sculpted by people. So they have ones that are specific to muscles. So they basically sculpt where the muscle would be located 
in like it is there's like fibers that they have like fibers fibers yeah I, I, i'm sorry um, go ahead keep going so it's like striated which means it's striped so you can feel the different stripes like uh coming out of the like whatever direction it's coming from so like some muscles are more um what's the word like more outward or Mm -hmm. you know different like they're going different directions basically and they're in different locations um they also have so we have muscles that are maybe more superficial that are maybe more on the outer part but there's also ones that are deeper so um we could take off the muscle a good example a good example is the bicep Right. That's yes. a superficial muscle. Right. Yes. Yes. That's actually what the muscle, one of the muscles we're learning right now. There, there so you go. Is, yeah. Yeah. So. So um, let's, let's go back. Um, talk a little about your disability uh, and how that was for you growing up. Right. So I also am deaf. So I grew up deaf blind um, when I was around two years old my parents had me do uh implant surgery so cochlear implants i got my first cochlear implants when i was two years old and then my second one when i was three so that allows me to hear and communicate orally uh see so that that's that is well, yes. And, and, and talk about this sort of level of your visual impairment. Do you have some vision? Talk, talk yeah. about that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I do have some vision. I have, um, I'm able to see colors. So they're not very vivid, like colors that are like close in shade can confuse me. <laughs> like I might not be able to tell a light blue versus a light green because they might look the same to me. Um, I also have blind spots in both my peripheral and central vision. So that is also a factor as well as light sensitivity. I do not really see well with glare. So I actually don't see well during the day when the sun's out. Uh, that really, which, um, makes it harder to see. And, uh, so yes, that's my vision. The best way that I can explain. No, no, that, that's, that's really helpful. So talk about the technology you use to sort of, uh, uh, you know, to, to, uh, adapt to all, you know, your, your vision issues and your hearing issues. So for vision, I, I've tried many different things growing up. I, like I have learned Braille. I used to use the different Braille, like the Braille display, the Braille notes. So I have learned those things, but I don't use them as much, but, um, Let's see. So I also am super reliant on the accessibility features on my computer. So I use a Mac 
And I, I always use that Zoom future. That is like the biggest thing that I use. Um, I have also used CCTVs growing up like in, in school so that I can access print material and the board. Uh, let's see what else like magnifiers. I don't use as much, but, um, and I know you use your, just, I know oh, you sorry. use your, I'm sorry. I know you use your phone because you and I have texted back and forth your, your iPhone. Right. Yeah. So that's what I use a lot is my, my iPhone. Yes. Okay. So, um, what prompted you to get interested in occupational therapy slash exercise science? So I, I've always known that I wanted to do something with helping other people. And, um, I thought I love how occupational therapy is very, daily living our yeah daily living specific so um because like daily living skills are essential so i feel like it was an area that i wanted to focus on and um and just making sure that people are aware of the different assistive technology and equipment that they can use to accommodate so in like in that in school or in the workforce uh, so i think that's probably the main reason and i've always wanted to be somewhere in the healthcare field because i've always been interested in like the science classes like anatomy and just like learning how our bodies function different things like that always been super interesting to me so as uh, as I remember, you were mainstream pretty much throughout your educational experience at you know junior high, high school, all that stuff. I was yes, since I was in first grade. But prior to that, I did go to DePaul School for the Speech and Hearing since I was one years old. So once of first grade, uh, so they taught me how to communicate since I could not hear anything until I was two. So I was delayed in that. But at that school, they taught me how to speak orally. And then in first grade, I transitioned into mainstream. So how was main, how was mainstream education? How, how, how did it treat you? So I was actually pretty fortunate uh, with the services that my school provided, uh, the district provided. Uh, so I had a hearing teacher that they actually hired like for the school district in, I would say, when I entered high school. So she was available for all of the deaf students in the school. So she worked super closely with me with advocacy and like teaching me how to talk to my teachers and my prof- and now my professors to tell them what accommodations that I need. So she taught me that I, they also Provided vision services. So I've always had a vision teacher and orientation and mobility specialist who worked closely with me 
uh, teaching me the different assistive technology um, and how to adapt visually, making sure that I'm getting all the, the uh, vision access that I need and teaching me to ensure that I know how to travel safely in the community, different things like that. So they have definitely done a great job providing those services for me. Are you familiar with Be My Eyes or any of the other modern orientation and mobility technology features? So I learned more a lot about the GPS and I actually I have a couple apps that I love for um the GPS. So my favorite is probably Nav by Via Opta because it really gives you specific um specific walking directions. So when, when I'm walking around, it will tell you like in 50 yards, turn left. And I, I really like that app. There's also another one that was created by Microsoft, actually, that kind of gives you sound heftics. It's called Soundscape. So sometimes I will use that and it'll tell you when you're walking by a certain building so like you can have different place markers so like if you're walking by starbucks it'll make a certain sound and be like starbucks is on your right different things like that so you gotta have starbucks you gotta have starbucks right you gotta have your coffee yeah (laughs) just opened up one here in new bedford right on my street a few (laughs) weeks ago so so (laughs) julia how how were your how were the kids at your school How, how how well they treat you how many? What? Sorry. I'm sorry. Your, the kids, the kids in your class, uh, it, it, while you're going, while you're being mainstream, how 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 do they treat you? Oh, so uh, they treated me pretty well, actually. I, I think um, I think the main thing for me probably was I didn't really put myself out there as much when I was. In like middle school, high school. Um, so I felt like that was more on me. Like I didn't really know how to, uh, put myself out there. And, um, I think the thing probably is there's not very much understanding of people that are deaf blind. Like people might not know how to communicate with me. Um, like they might overthink it, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I definitely noticed that there wasn't, there wasn't very much like interaction with me personally. Um, but other than that, it, there wasn't really much. So yeah. I, when I was in, I was mainstream throughout my educational experience as well. And when I switched to another high school, um, uh, I also had a very lonely, a freshman year and what saved me is I had a, I had a skill. Uh, I was a really, really good drummer and ended up as a, as a band nerd, marching band, you know, music nerd and, and sort of came up with my circle of friends doing that kind of stuff. Did you have a sort of skill that you were able to use to connect with other people when, while you were going through school? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, for, I mean, I'm not 
real. I think my thing was probably sports. Like I've always been super into sports, especially because my siblings were always super athletic. So I did join like the track team when I was in middle school for two years. I, um, I was more involved with sports in the blind community though. So like I'm involved in blind ice hockey. So that's kind of outside of school. So not. Tell us about your experience with blind ice hockey. I know that when I was at Perkins School for the Blind and I was taking gym classes, we spent a little bit of time learning how to play hockey. We learned how the game works. Of course, we didn't play on the ice. We played on the gym floor, but we learned how to use a stick and what happens to the puck and all that. Tell us how you got involved with blind ice hockey, and is that something that's common? So... I, it's actually very new, especially in the United States, like 2015, no, 2014, I, I think is when it started here in the United States. Uh, and Pittsburgh was one of the first, uh, first states to create their own blind ice hockey team. And ever since then, it's been growing. So now, New York and Chicago, different states have their own blind ice hockey team. And so, uh, let's say around 2019, so a couple of years ago, I joined Pittsburgh's blind ice hockey team, uh, especially because it's super close to my area, which is super nice. So they would have practice once a week and there there were around I would say there's always been maybe about nine of us on the team and they adapted it specifically for people that are blind and visually impaired so the puck is 2x the size and it also contains these ball bearings inside, metal ball bearings. So every time the puck's in motion, it allows us to hear where it's located. So that has been a major adaptation specific to blind ice hockey that we all are super reliant on. Are the rules the same as regular? Are the rules the same as regular hockey? Or do you have your own set of rules? I'm only asking that because beat baseball is an entirely different game from regular baseball. A lot of people don't realize that, but it's played a lot different. I'm wondering if hockey is the same way for blind people. Right. So I, for them, there are different rules. Not many. I think the major thing is how you know hockey is a contact sport but for us it's not because you know blind people are not going to be as aware of like a player coming up and checking them so that's one thing we're not allowed to check other players in blind ice hockey and use our our stick to trip them because those things aren't as visually accessible. So there are certain rules like that that are 
placed as well as uh, I think one of the major ones is the puck has to be passed at least once within a team before it can be shot. And this ensures that the goalie knows where the puck is before it gets shot into their towards them. So that is one of the major roles that we have. In, how many, how many people? Hockey. How many people on a team? So there's not like a specific number, especially in tournaments. I would say there's usually two defense. Uh, I think like six forwards, something like that. And then they alternate us. So there are a number of there are a number of blind hockey teams, I imagine, and that's why there are tournaments. Yeah, so we have different summits tournaments throughout the year. So there's actually one coming up that's gonna be in St. Louis, and that's gonna be the Blind Ice Hockey Festival. I unfortunately can't go this to this one coming up because of school and my class is fall on a Friday. So I'm not, unfortunately not going to be able to go, but I did go to the one that was in Fort Wayne this October. And it's such a great experience because I get to play with other blind ice hockey players in other States. And we get to play with them. What's the name of your team? So, because there's not like so many of us with it, like my the, my team in Pittsburgh never had more than nine players, so there's not a lot of players. So how it works is they create the teams based on skill level. So there's three divisions. There's what, the red, what is the te- what is the team name? The name of it. Oh, um, well, I was, I mean, I'm not on a team anymore, but I, I'm an independent because since I'm in college, I can't really be a part of a team because well, what, of how my spiritual work. What, what, what's, what's the Pittsburgh mascot? What, what, you know, it's the Pittsburgh oh, Penguins yeah. for, for NHL. What is it for the blind hockey team? Pittsburgh Rhinos. Rhinos. Uh, rhinos. All right. Rhinos. All right. Pittsburgh Rhinos. I'll have to remember them. The rhinos. That's pretty good. So you're, you're not, uh, so talk about how you said you practice once a week, right? How do those practices look? How, how, what did you guys do during those practices? Right. So they were usually an hour long. We would start off with different warm ups. So more like skating drills, hockey stops, different things like that. And then we would go more into puck skills, so like puck handling, uh, get um, hitting the puck back and foot passes, passes, and then at the very end we would do a scrimmage. So we would divide in half and play a scrimmage. That's usually how practices worked. Sometimes we would do hockey drills uh, different things like that so 
And then, and then did you like between practices do like weight training and things like that to get you in better shape? I, um, sometimes I do. I, I definitely more lately definitely didn't do more, uh, training. I also sometimes do rowing because I used to be a part of a rowing team for a couple years. So sometimes I'll do rowing as well, different workouts. So do you, do you play hockey at all these days? I mean, I, obviously college takes up a lot of time. You're not, you said you're not on a team. Do you still play once in a while? How does that, how do you fit that into your schedule? So we, we know I have not been able to do any practices or anything like that. I, I just try to go to the tournaments when I can. Like in October, I went to Fort Wayne to the hockey tournament then, but ever since then, I have not been able to fit time for blind ice hockey, unfortunately, but I do try to get at the tournaments. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, college is a busy, busy time, right? You don't have a lot of time for other, other outside stuff. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go, go ahead, Bob. I was going to say, we're almost ready to invite the community to join us and ask questions of Julia Murray as well. Uh, but, but uh, I know, Peter, you have one more question. I have one more question before we turn it over to the community. You do a lot of volunteer work, as was explained in the bio, and that's great. It's always nice to volunteer. Could you talk a little bit about where you volunteer? Uh, so I, I like to do different places. So I think one of the major ones for me is this program called Envision Blind Sports that I've grown up to what I used to be an athlete for them since I was nine years old. But now I'm a volunteer and a camp counselor for their program. So I love to be a part of their week long camp, summer camp that they have and work with the kids. So ages five to 18, play a variety of sports. They do over 20 sports in one week from paddleboarding, kayaking, canoeing, rock wall climbing, basketball, tennis, so many other sports. So I get to work with the kids and teach them how to do different sports as well as like beat baseball, goalball, different things like that. So I think that's probably where I do a lot of my volunteering. I also am a part of the university program board at my university. So it's a student-ran organization, and we create different events on campus. So we'll have different speaker events. We'll have a speaker come in, and we just organize them like different concerts, different events like that. So that's also another place that I do a lot of volunteering for. So my, my last question before we turn it over to the, to the audience has to do with your future plans. My understanding is that physical therapy usually requires graduate school. Is, is that in your plans? And what are your plans for the, for this summer? Yes. So 
how my current major works is I'm currently a part of the accelerated program. So it's allowing me to do my bachelor's in three years. So that's exercise science in three years. And then the last three years will be in grad school. So I'll be able to obtain my doctorate in occupational therapy in those three years. So it's a six year long program that I'm a part of. And, 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 a, as, and, and a, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go talk about your summers. Summer. Yes. So as for my summer right now, I am looking for different, uh, different things. So right now I am currently going to be working. So this is only one week, but it's for the summer academy in Pennsylvania and it takes place in Penn State. So it's a summer program for high school students that are blind or visually impaired. And I'll be a resident assistant. So I'll be able to work with those high school students with the different classes that they'll be taking within the week. Like they'll have a technology um cooking, uh, life skills, different things like that. So I'll get to work with the high school students with that. Uh, that's all I have for right now. I'm, you know, currently trying to see what else, like how it's all going to fit together for my summer, but that is what I have planned so far. Awesome. And one, quick, right. what, one quick question and then we'll turn it over to the audience. I, so you're gonna, your goal is to get your PhD in six years, or I guess it's closer to five years now. Do you, uh, do you have any idea what your dissertation topic might be? So I am thinking possibly doing a certificate specifically in low vision. So there's a school in University of Alabama in Birmingham. And it is super well known. So half of the occupational therapists go there to get certified specifically in low vision. So that is one thing that I have my eye on as of right now, but I'm kind of just feeling forward and, you know, see what falls into place. But yeah, that is one idea that I have right now. Well, there's plenty of time for you to decide. This is All In Perspective. Right. That's Bob Branco. This is Peter Altschul. And let's see what the audience has to ask. Ray, do we have any hands uh, raised? Yes, we do. Pam, you are up first. Amazing. Hello, Pam. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Pam. Hello. This, this, is, this is fascinating. Uh, a couple of comments and then a question. Uh, the comments, one is, I happen to live in the Birmingham, Alabama area, so I am familiar with that university uh took a few courses there too many years ago now <laughs> uh but uh it's a great school so we look forward to having you come to Birmingham if you're able to get into UAB we affectionately call it UAB um my other comment is and this one is it it saddens me uh, you mentioned an app called Soundscape. And yes, I am very familiar with that app. I've 
I use it quite a bit. And what you may or may not know is that app is about to disappear. Uh, it already is no longer available in App Store and it will cease to work. I think it's around June 30th. I know I got in, um, a memo about that, uh, month or two ago that sadly that app is disappearing. So good luck finding a, a substitute, um, which a lot of us are trying to do. Uh, my question is, um, and I missed the very, very beginning, unfortunately, of your presentation, but is your um, condition, the condition that caused your vision loss, is it one of those that gets worse as you get older or is, are you one of the fortunate ones in that your vision will probably remain stable over the years? Right. So that is, that's super cool that you're from Birmingham and, um, that is so sad that, you know, that app is going to disappear because it is one of the, one of the great ones. Um, but you know, we'll be in edit together trying to search for a new one. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, and for your question. So, uh, my vision has been stable, but with, it's actually unknown what my condition is exactly. So doctors have never been able to pinpoint what exactly my condition is and what caused it. So, oh, wow. Right. So who knows? Like if I'm going to be 30 and then it starts not being stable, you know, like that's something that nobody knows. So, but as of right now, it has been stable. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. wonderful. That's great, Julia. So, so Julia, just just out of curiosity, I know you learned Braille, and uh, are you are you do you use it at all these days? I mean, I, you, you know, uh, it's important to use your vision that you have. But should your vision begin to deteriorate, would you be able to you know use Braille enough to be able to get by? Right. So yeah, I definitely I don't use it as much, but I did use it a lot, like. In my school years, like prior to college, uh, and I'll still like use it every once in a while because I do want to make sure that I still have, like I still have the ability to read braille. So that's definitely something I want to make sure that I can keep up with in cases that I, if my vision does deteriorate because it is a great tool to have. Yeah, absolutely. Pam, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Thank you. Uh, Ray. Um, Greg, you are up next. Greg. Hello, Greg. Hello. Um, th- thanks, Julia, for all this. I, I'm learning so much about you. I've been friends with Julia for a year now since last, um, a convention at ACB with ACB students and, uh, as a scholarship winner. And, uh, so Julia, uh, my question's a little bit self-serving, but, um, <laughs> partially not. Can you talk, talk to us about, um, your first convention 
experience um, in Omaha last year. And can you talk a little bit about your involvement um, with ACB students um, and um, some of the socials, you know, that we have and things like that? Thank you. Yes, definitely great. Yes. So, um, this, this summer, uh, and, and it was a fantastic experience. I met so many people at grade through that convention, and it was so great to meet people like me that, you know, have vision impairments as well and they had so many different opportunities for us to like different meetings and stuff to learn more about different topics and so many different areas so that was such a great experience and that is where I found ACB students which is such a great organization specific for college students and it gives us a chance to become a community to talk to one another about our different college experiences so we're able to give each other knowledge of how we're doing different things in college like different um, assistive technologies or apps that are be that we are using to help us get through college so we can, you know, share things like that. And so ACB students has social events in the first month of every Sunday. So if you are, you know, a college student, it would be a fantastic uh, opportunity for you to be a part of that organization and also the social events because it's it's a great time just talking to different students that have different experiences and we get to share them with one one another things like that so greg are you still are you still around i am good so uh, were you a, were you an ACB scholarship winner i, I, I was not no not. i was okay. the cam award winner last year uh, though. okay well congratulations and uh, what is your role within ACB? Are, are you a stu- are you a student? Are you a next gen person? I'm trying to. I'm a, I'm well. I'm a student and a next gen person. So okay. I um I'm the out um, one of the engagement and outreach directors on our board of directors for ACB students. So um so yeah um we do as Julia said we do socials on the first Sunday of every month open to high school and college students. Um, and it's really cool because I'm, I'm myself a student right now. I'm in Bible school and, um, it's, it can be a challenge sometimes techno technology and things like that can be a challenge. So, but yes, I'm, I'm in students and I'm also in next gen. Terrific. Thank you, Greg. Uh, and thank you for your answer, Julia. Uh, Greg, uh, I have a question for you. What's a next gen? A next gen, um, <laughs> well, I don't want to take away from Julia's interview here, but, um, no, if you want to, you, people might want to know what that means. Um, but next gen is, um, an affiliate for those, um, students and young professionals, 18 to 40. 
And so ACB students and ACB Next Generation have done a lot um, to work hand in hand. Uh, we also have supporting members that are over 40. And if people are interested, they can visit either acbstudents.org <laughs> or acbnextgeneration.org. Okay. Thank so you for that's- that. Thanks for that promo, Greg. That's a real, actually, you guys are doing great work with an ACB and you need to do more of it. Um, so thank you, Greg, for Thanks, all your great. Ray, do we have any other hands raised? There are no hands raised at this time. Okay. Okay. All right. So cool. If anybody does have a question, uh, please do feel free to raise your hand and Ray will interrupt us. He's very good at it. So, um, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll plow through. So, um, Julia, we sort of talked about it, sort of rushed through this, but, um, talk about What's your ideal job? I, I think you, you may change your mind four times between now and when you get your first job. But what what might your first ideal job look like once you once you get your once your doctor Doctor Murray? Uh, so I kind of have different ideas every day. I feel like, um, but I feel like the main goal that I have, like in really any job that I would have, is to uh, to diminish the amount of accessibility there is for us and to amplify the opportunities. So to make sure that the, all the different opportunities in so many different areas from education and social life, different, you know, all, all areas and making sure that Everybody or, you know, people with disabilities, people with visual impairments, uh, people that are, deaf, that are deaf blind have those opportunities in place for them. And also to spread awareness to different accessibility accommodations, different things like that. Um, so that is my main goal that I have. So I would, love to work in any area that I'm able to do those things. So uh, do, you, do you have a sense of whether you might work in the voc rehab system or I might work in the technology area? Do you have a sense of whether you, whether you work for the government or for the for-profit sector? Do you have any thoughts about any of that where you might want to work? So I feel like a lot of my interest has been in technology because I, I see how beneficial it is. Like it, it truly has helped me, um, growing up, but I've also really am passionate about sports too. So I would love to do something with sports. So maybe possibly working with, um, creating or like, I don't know, developing a specific activity or sport, maybe for people that are deaf blind, because I know there are lots for people that are just blind or just deaf, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's not really as much out there for deaf blind. So I would love to do something with that if it's possible. That's definitely something that I have been looking into doing. So I want to go back. You use a lot of technology on college campus. And one of the hot topics that I'm aware of that's going on, uh, in general is the lack or 
not lack of accessibility of the technology you use. So talk about uh, where what the strengths of the system are, words, what's working well accessibility-wise, and what isn't working quite so well accessibility-wise. If you could wave a magic wand, what would you improve te- uh, technology-wise? So for what is working well, I definitely think, um, well, actually, let's start with, I find this one is kind of, in both categories. So there's some aspects that are working better. So like accessibility features have definitely been getting better, like voiceover and JAWS, different things like that. But they also have aspects of them. If there's like certain websites that weren't created with accessibility features, that's kind of, a barrier for many of us um, if we're not able to access a website visually because you know certain areas aren't uh, created to be accessible so that's definitely one barrier that a lot of us have come into um, in the digital world for the maybe more physical um I would say there's like so many different like magnifiers, like different types, different brands. So there's like different options for those um, that that allow printing material and the board to be more visually accessible. Uh, but at the same time, there can be different barriers like. Uh, Like if professors don't want you to have like a magnifier, like if they think you're they're being recorded, things like that, that can be kind of tricky. uh, I noticed. Uh, So say say more say more about that. Other professors don't want themselves recorded, right? They they Mm -hmm. you know they don't want their stuff stolen. Do you record, do you, do you record presentations, you know, or, or how do you, how do you take notes? Uh, well, typically no, I, I do not, but I, I mean, I, I was thinking like if you have like a CCTV and they misunderstand that it's a recording oh, device, but it's really not, um, that's what I meant there, but, um, I have used, um, an app called Otter AI. It's more for, captioning so it'll caption the whole class i don't use that very often but i have used that for like certain lectures so that i can go back to the lecture after class and replay certain areas that maybe i'm confused about um yeah yeah okay so so the main thing i'm hearing you say is that it is is the issue that a lot of us are experiencing, which is sort of certain websites not being fully accessible. You know, whether in my case, I'm totally blind. In your case, you have some vision. But many, maybe some websites just don't work very well for the technology we use, right? Right. And um, do you have any thoughts? This is a complicated question about how we can work to improve some of that stuff, some of those accessibility issues. 
Right. So I definitely think a lot of it is awareness, like spreading awareness to those companies like Microsoft, Google, uh, you know, to, to private people. Industri- private industry. Right, right. To the industries, um, to their workers to, you know, make sure there's, uh, creators that are aware that accessibility is an essential part of what the it is, Julia. Process. Basically, Julia, what it is, is that, you know, we live in a sighted world. And sighted web designers like graphics because they appeal to the human eye. Little do they know, and it's not their fault for the most part, that this affects how a blind person navigates. Right. But what what are the things I found, Julia, and I don't know if you've had this experience. We have one minute, ladies and gentlemen. One minute. Oh, well, thank you, Bob. Then I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and ask you a final question, which is if you could um, talk to somebody who was five years younger, what advice might you give them? That's a very good question. Um, trying to, so I feel like my main piece of advice would probably be to be more open, like to, um, just teach people that are not that are not you know blind or too impaired to spread awareness to what they um to what it's like to you know be a blind person to just make sure they're aware of the importance of accessibility different things like that um that's probably what i would say my main advice is just to have that assertiveness, I guess, to be more assertive, to make sure you're getting all the needs that you need. Exactly. Well, our so time much. has expired. And Julia, you are an inspiration. And we, we learned a lot from you today. And hopefully you motivate us a little bit. Not that we need it, but some of us do, I suppose. Yeah. But in all seriousness, thank you very much for what you do for the community and for yourself. And for taking time to come on in perspective today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me speak on in perspective. It was such a great experience getting to talk with everybody. Thank you so much. Keep us posted as to what you do. We may have you back in the near future so that you can update us on what you do. Next week, we have back a regular featured guest, Congressman John LeBoutlier, will make another appearance on our show. Peter, Ray, and our participants, and Julia as well, thank you for helping to make this show possible. And go safe with God's abundant blessings, everybody. Have a great day. Go Tigers. Thanks, y'all.